All right. I don't know if any of the rest of you are doing this, but I have been kind of intrigued by all of the stuff that I'm hearing in the media about artificial intelligence. And I made an account with the chat GPT thing. Anybody else make a chat GPT? Have you started on the chat GPT thing? I just think it's so super cool. And, uh, and because we're getting to the portion of Jesus' teaching that's all about enemies, I thought I would see what ChatGPT could do with the topic of enemies. So I put this prompt into the chat box. I, sa I said this to the GPT. Generate a humorous poem using the line, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Okay, you ready for this? Here's what ChatGPT generated. There once was a mouse, quite shy and small, with cats all around ready to pounce and maul. But a bird flew by with a beak sharp and quick, and the mouse thought, hey, this might just do the trick. The cat gave a hiss as the bird came near, but little did it know a surprise was near. The mouse and the bird formed a cunning alliance, creating chaos and causing feline defiance. A computer wrote this poem, okay? The bird would swoop down, distracting the cat, while the mouse sneaked around like a ninja, in fact. Together they danced a whimsical ballet, leaving the cats puzzled with tails in disarray. They pranked and they schemed these unlikely friends. Their mischievous laughter echoed through the lands. The cats became wary, their egos deflated, for the enemy of their enemy had left them frustrated. Now, this tale might seem strange, a whimsical spree, but it carries a, a lesson. If you listen, you'll see. Sometimes in life, alliances may mend, and the enemy of your enemy could become your friend. So next time you're stuck in a sticky situation, remember this fable with joyful elation. Embrace the absurdity, laugh till the end, for the enemy of your enemy might just be your friend. Chat GPT, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I thought that was pretty impressive. Hey, we are in week three of our message series about being empowered. And, uh, and, and, and I believe, this is what I'm sensing in my spirit, that Jesus is calling us, Jesus is calling Connect Church to live and move in a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, I began reading in Luke chapter 6, a portion that is known as uh, the Sermon on the Plain. And whenever I'm studying the Bible, I like to put stuff into context. So I don't just read a little portion of Scripture. I always read what, what comes before and what comes after. And, and I want to know uh, a, a little bit of what informs what Jesus is doing in this sermon that he gives in Luke chapter 6. And I was completely arrested by the verse that comes just before his teaching, and it's up on the screen. It says, the entire crowd eagerly tried to come near Jesus, to touch him, to receive healing, because a tangible, supernatural power emanated from him and healed all that came close to him. That, that verse arrested me because I, I'm so aware that when we become full of the presence of Jesus, 
The power that emanated from Jesus begins to emanate from him through us and it begins to heal the people who are around us. And I'm praying that Jesus will more and more empower us so that we can begin to heal the people that we rub shoulders with. And it's happening. We're practicing right here at Connect. Jason, we're practicing, right? And, and, uh, and we're asking Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, give us words, give us knowledge. We want to hear what he's saying in the heavenly realms. And, and, and we're going to take this at some point after we've practiced for a while, we're going to take this to people who don't know Jesus at all. And Jesus is going to begin to heal them. And there's going to be power encounters. But what, what, one of the things that struck me as I was reading in Luke chapter 6 is that there's, there's this incredible demonstration of power from Jesus. And then right after that, he goes into this teaching about character. Because what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is the fact that character and power are the two legs we stand on. And we can't really be empowered by the Spirit if we're not developing character. And so in part one of this, of this message series called Empowered, we're talking about character. And then in a couple of weeks after our connecting event, which is two weeks from today, uh, the week after that, we're going to be turning to what it means to be people fishing in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's where we're going a little bit. Um, but in this character series... Um, we've, we're, we've talked about your passion. Today, we're going to talk about your response to hate. Next week, we're going to be talking about your judgment. Who do you judge? Who are you empowered to judge? Who does Jesus authorize you to judge? And then we'll wrap up on the Connecting Event Sunday, which is in two weeks, with your foundation. I skipped a, a slide, didn't I, Amanda? Um, Character. Let me just define character for you really quickly. When, when we use the word character, character, sometimes we think we're talking about somebody's personality. That's one way we use that word. But when I'm talking about character in this series, what I'm talking about is moral excellence and ethical consistency. What it means to have character from the perspective of Jesus, it means to be living and walking the way he empowers us to walk. And last week I asked you, where is your passion directed? Today I want to ask you this question. When people hate you, what is your response? Is it self-protecting or is it self-surrendering? Big question, difficult question, and uh, it, it has everything to do with character. Can we pray together before we jump into uh, Luke chapter 6? Lord Jesus, I, I, am, I am so in awe of you. Every time I open the Gospels and read the accounts of how you lived and what you taught and the challenges that you brought your disciples, I, I, just, I just become more and more intrigued with your wisdom and, and how high you raised the bar. Some people believe that, Jesus, you lowered the bar. Really, you just keep raising the bar higher and higher. And Lord, for those of you that are pressing into your presence, Lord, we want to walk with you in character.
So today, Jesus, speak to us, I pray. Help us to drop our defenses and surrender to your leadership. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. If you've got a Bible or, or a device with a Bible app on it, why don't you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. I think you'll find it helpful to follow along with me this morning. Um, most of the time this morning, I'm going to be using the TPT version. So if you want to see what I'm reading, you can use that one. Or if you have a, a favorite version, you can certainly use that as well. I want to talk this morning about enemies, what Jesus has to say about enemies. Um, and we're going to talk about self-protection, and we're going to talk about self-surrendering. So that's kind of where we're going. And then this morning, we're going to end with communion. And so uh, I, I think uh, we're, we're going to be on a little adventure this morning. You ready for this? Let's start by talking about enemies. Here's what we're going to see as we start reading this passage from the Sermon on the Plain. Jesus warned his disciples that people would hate them. How many of you would consider yourself a disciple of Jesus? Do you, do you remember what the definition of a disciple is? Disciple is a learner, okay? How many of you are learners of Jesus? It's probably why you're here, right? Jesus warned his disciples that people would hate them. Last week, when we were reading through the Beatitudes in this sermon, we read this. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and scorn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Now, I don't know about you. I'm sure your life is very different than mine. But I haven't had a lot of experience with people who hate me because of Jesus. I've had a lot of people in my life hate me for other reasons. But I can't say that it's always been because of Jesus. And yet what Jesus was telling his learners, his disciples, is that when you press in to really following me, you can expect that people are going to hate you. And the question that we're wrangling with this morning is when that happens, and I think it's a when and not an if, when this happens, how are we going to respond? Because Jesus gives us some pretty radical instructions about what that's supposed to look like. Let's pick up in Luke 6, verse 27. Here's, here's what Jesus says. I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And do something wonderful in return for their hatred. I see a couple of smirks because why? This is ridiculous, right? I mean, if we're honest, do something wonderful in response to their hatred? Seriously, Jesus. Verse 28. When someone curses you, bless that person in return. When others mistreat and harass you, accept it as your mission to pray for them. To those who despise you, continue to serve them and minister to them. If someone takes away your coat, give them as a gift your shirt as well. And when someone comes to beg from you, give to that person what you have. And when things are wrongly taken from you, do not demand that they be given back. The way you want others to treat you is how you should treat everyone else. 
Somebody wiser than me once said that we want everybody to treat us with grace and mercy, but we want everybody else to be held accountable for their actions. Jesus is saying, that's not the way I'm calling you to do it. The way you would like to be treated when you do something wrong is how I want you to treat the people who actually mistreat you. Jesus warned his disciples that people would hate them. Now, I want to unpack this for you a little bit. Before we get to the response, I just want to talk about who these haters are, okay? Who, Who are the haters? Jesus used four Greek words here in this passage that paint a pretty dramatic picture, and it's up here on the screen. The first word he used is ekthros. It's a Greek word that means hateful people, okay? It could be an enemy or an adversary. Have you ever had a relationship that just turned adversarial? Somebody who was really unkind, they hated you, and they, were, they had a mission to destroy you. This is what this word means. And Jesus says, we're going to encounter these people if we're walking with Jesus. The second word is the Greek word meseo. And it's translated hate. But it means to persecute or detest. I think it's really interesting what's happening in our culture, and some of you have probably made this observation. There's a lot of talk in our culture about hate, and and Christian people in particular are being accused of hating people who don't live Christian lifestyles. And and one of the the ways that I'm watching, and you might disagree with me, and that's okay, but what I'm watching in our culture is, is a lot of the way hate is used in our culture is if you disagree with me, you hate me, okay? That's how it's being used in our culture, and, and, and the more we use words like this, the meaning just begins to shift, and it becomes embedded in our, in our thought processes. This word that Jesus is using means to persecute or detest. It's not disagreeing, it's active persecution. And Jesus said, if we're following him, we're going to encounter people who persecute us and really, really detest us. Does this make sense? Third word is the Greek word, oh, I'm not even going to say, try to say this one. It's translated curse. Jesus said there's going to be people who curse us. And, and this word means uh, words that are designed to bring harm. Now, we see lots of that on Twitter and Facebook and other social media. But this word specifically means there are going to be people who bring supernatural curses to you. Okay? So that could take the form of witchcraft. It could take many different forms. This is a spiritual thing. It also means sometimes when people speak words that are not true... The devil comes and and whispers to our mind things that take hold in our minds that are not true, and we begin to believe the lie of the enemy. This is the power of words over us. In the book of Proverbs, we're admonished to speak life words and not death words. Why? Because our words have the power of life and death. You can bring death to somebody by speaking curses over them, even if you're not a witch. Okay? The last word that Jesus uses is the Greek word eparezo. I'm, I, I didn't say that right. It's translated mistreat. means to threaten or abuse. Jesus said we can expect there will be haters if we're walking closely to him. And I, I just started to take some inventory this week and ask the question, do people hate 
me? Do people hate me? Uh, I just did a quick Google search about hatred towards Christians, and it was interesting. I found a, a Newsweek article with the title, Acceptable Hate, Assaults on Christianity Go Overlooked. And it was specifically talking about the school shooting in Tennessee that was targeted at a Christian school. And, and this article in Newsweek magazine was talking about how the media was really overlooking the fact that this was persecution of Christian people. Now, we're seeing a rise of persecution worldwide on Christians, but when, when I took a little personal inventory, I can't say that I have really experienced a lot of intense persecution. And it makes me ask a question, am I really walking that, that closely with Jesus if I'm not? And I'm curious to know what you think. What if it becomes personal? What if somebody begins to target you and actively persecute you? What if your boss decides because you're a Christ follower, you're not welcome at their company anymore, and they fire you? What's your response going to be? What if a family member decides you're not welcome at, at Thanksgiving dinner anymore because you love Jesus? How, what, what's, what's your response going to be? Jesus is asking this question. And, and I don't know, I, I think one of the reasons, we had a conversation with, about this in our teaching team, one of the reasons I think we don't experience more opposition as Christians is because we don't speak up very much because we so badly want to be liked. Does that ring true with you? And so we just shut our mouths. I came across this meme of Winston Churchill, the great World War II hero. He said, you have enemies? Good. That means you've stood up for something sometime in your life. I like that. And I think if we're going to stand up for Jesus, if we're going to be the people he's called us to be, and we're going to be culture changers, then we'd better expect some pushback. And we'd better have a game plan for what our character is going to look like. Jesus addresses two options for how we respond to hate. The first one is self-protection, and the second one is self-surrender. Let's see what he says about self-protection. If you're taking notes, here's what you can write down. People, you and I, are wired to self-protect. Do you know this about yourself? We are wired to just take care of me. I've said for many years I believe that marriage is one of the most unnatural things a person can do because we are wired to take care of ourselves. And when you get married, you are bound by your marriage covenant to become self-disinterested and take care of the other person. If you're married and you haven't figured that out yet, you're welcome. That's a freebie today. Here's what Jesus says, starting at verse 32. Jesus says, are you really showing true love by loving only those who love you? Even those who don't know God will do that. Are you really showing compassion when you do good deeds only to those who do, do good deeds to you? Even those who don't know God will do that. What's he saying? Let me just summarize really simply 
Self-protecting is making sure my kindness is returned. Self-protecting is making sure my kindness is returned. In other words, we have a tendency as self-protecting people to say, if that person isn't nice to me, if I'm nice to them once, I'm not going to try again. And if they're not nice to me, if I try twice, I'm sure as heck not going to try a third time, right? Because we want the kindness to be returned to us. This, this is difficult. And it's difficult when people begin to actively, actively oppose you. Chris and I were talking about this on the way to church this morning, and she reminded me of a, of a situation that, quite frankly, I've just put out of my mind. Um, several years ago here at Connect, we, we faced a situation with, with somebody who uh, was a part of our church family who, uh, who began to uh, be threatening to some fellow connectors here in our church family. And the threats became escalated to such a degree that our, our security team met and they decided that it was that, that we had no other recourse. He'd been warned and warned and, and addressed and, and, and we tried everything and, and our security team finally decided it was in the best interest of our safety of our church family that this person no longer be allowed to attend Connect. Now, let me tell you, as, as a pastor who loves people, and believes that God is not willing that anybody should perish. It is the most painful thing in the world for me to tell someone, you, you can't fellowship in this church any longer. That, that's, that's awful. But in the interest of safety, it was something that I had to do. Well, the, the threats and, 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 and whatnot escalated to the point where he actually came to our house one day and vandalized our property. And um, Nikki had just moved home from Indonesia. She was starting school at MSU. She was terrified. Uh, when I found out that something was happening, she was at home, and I called her and I said, Nikki, close all the curtains and, and lock the doors. I don't know what this guy is going to do. But he, he vandalized our property, and, and it was horrible and ugly and terrifying. And uh, long story short, um, because the, the, the threats and the, and the actual violence had escalated to such a degree, uh, we actually had to go to court. Now, now Jesus is saying, instead of self-protecting, just, just let it go, and we're going to get to that part. And, and I really wanted to just let it go, but we became aware that if there weren't legal consequences, this guy was just going to go unchecked because it just kept escalating. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and I, I never want to find myself in a courtroom again. I, I hope it never happens. But in this case, I had to go to court. And I had to testify. He testified. It was, it was ugly and hateful. And, and then the, there was a settlement against him. And, and this was the intriguing thing. As soon as we walked out of the courtroom, out into the lobby, this guy walked up to me and threw his arms around me and said, Russ, I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? After in court, he had just said the most hateful things about me. It was so bizarre. And in that moment, I was faced with this, with this choice. How am I going to respond? Ten minutes ago, he said the most hateful, slanderous things about me. 
And now he's got his arms wrapped around me, asking me to forgive him. What would you do? I said to him, of course I forgive you. And I looked him in the eyes and I said, I love you. But this behavior has to stop. Can't go on. And, and over the years, I've had a few interactions with him. And I've tried to just drop this defensiveness that I feel. Because frankly, I'm afraid. I hope he doesn't know that. But I can, I can just continue to build walls around myself. Or I can say, you know what? This is a man that Jesus died for. And I, I, I'm going to love him the best I can. Now, just so you know, he's still not welcome at Connect. And you're safe here, okay? I just share this story because these things will happen to us from time to time when we're walking lockstep with Jesus. Make sense? Jesus keeps, keeps speaking on this topic. He says, if you lend money only to those you know will repay you, what credit is that to your character? Even those who don't know God do that. And here's how I would summarize this. Self-protecting is making sure my stuff gets returned. Guys, have you ever had a tool disappear because your neighbor borrowed it and then never came back to you? Okay. How angry did that make you? If we're protecting ourselves, we want to make sure our stuff gets returned, our money gets returned, whatever we, 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 we loan, I, I want to make sure that gets returned. Can I, can, I just, can I just tell you something that I'm not really proud of? I have a neighbor that I don't like. And I'll tell you exactly why I don't like him. I don't like him because he doesn't like my dogs. He's been really mean to my dogs. And, and so I, fi I find myself staring out my window at his house. They live right behind us. I, I and 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 I, I look at his house, and I, um, <laughs> I've been reading this passage of scripture all week long, and his face keeps popping up in my brain. Now, why is Jesus talking to me about this guy? This morning, I, I, I was thinking, as I was just working through this and getting ready for this morning, and, and, um, and, Chris and I found out this week that Greg and Tosh are down a vehicle and they needed a vehicle and, and so I loaned them my truck. And I was, I was thinking, you guys, that if, um, if you never returned my truck, I would be fine with my truck never coming back because I love you guys so much. But if my neighbor behind me borrowed my truck, I would come after that man with a weapon. Okay, see, I'm not, I'm not walking with Jesus very well, am I? Okay? What's Jesus saying? Anybody can love like that. Anybody can love like that. And Jesus is raising the bar and saying, listen, if, if you're going to encounter enemies, 
you're going to have to start practicing some good character. You're going to start, in the same way we practice listening to God and practicing seeking God for miraculous healings, we're going to have to start practicing character development with people that are easy. Okay? It means I'm going to have to let go of some stuff with people that are easy so that when the test comes and it's difficult to let go of my stuff, I've had some practice and I can do it well. Okay? How do you respond to the haters? Are you protecting yourself? Jesus challenges us to choose a different response, and that response is self-surrender. This is the last topic we'll talk about this morning. Anybody else being poked in the ribs by Jesus? Am I the only one? Come on. Disciples are called to be self-surrendered. Here's what he says. Verse 35. Rather, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And continue to treat them well. When you lend money, don't despair if you're never paid back, for it's not lost. You will receive a rich reward. Hang on to that, will you? You will receive a rich reward. And you will be known as children of the Most High God, having his same nature. Here's what I want you to know about self-surrender. Self-surrender is expressed with agape love. Self-surrender is expressed with agape love. When Jesus says, love your enemies, he's using this word agapeo, or we're, we're more familiar with the word agape. And, and we use it so much, I, I, I worry sometimes that we've lost the meaning of this word. Can I just tell you a little bit about the history of the word agape? You may know, maybe, maybe you don't, uh, and, and that's cool, I'll teach you right now. The Bible is written in, in Greek, the New Testament is written in Greek. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew primarily, and there's some passages that are written in Aramaic. These are ancient, ancient languages. But, but these words that we're reading from Luke chapter 6 were written in the Greek language. And the Greeks had a whole bunch of words for love. In English, we say, I love my wife and I love hamburgers in the same, in the same sense. But my love for my wife is not the same as my love for a, for a good double quarter pounder with cheese. Okay. I love them both, but not the same. Okay? In Greek, there's these technical words for love. And in Greek literature, you see, the Bible isn't the only book that was written in Greek. We have all kinds of books that, that exist in the Greek language. And so when scholars are studying the Bible, they compare how words are used in the Bible with how words are used in other Greek literature. And here's what you might not know. The word agape is almost absent from all Greek literature except for the Bible. Why? Because the word agape means love that takes actions that are not based on your feelings. Okay? Agape is love based on actions that are not based on my feelings. And one commentator that I was studying this week said that before Jesus, the word agape was almost unheard of in the Greek world. Jesus 
Jesus revolutionized the world with this idea of selfless, action-based love. Now, we all love in lots of different ways. I have intense, intense feelings for my wife. I, I, I love her. I, I have friends. Um, Jason, I love you. You're my brother. We have all these different... And, and, and a lot of our love is emotion-based. But at some point when we're following Jesus, when we're walking with Jesus, our love shifts from how I feel to I want to treat this person selflessly and I'm going to do things that maybe I don't even feel like doing. Okay? Chris and Nikki and I have this conversation all the time. Sometimes uh, they ask me to do something and I'll go, okay, whatever it is. I'll take the garbage out, okay? And, and Nikki will go, never mind, Poppy, I'll just do it. And I'll say, no, I'll do it, it's okay. Well, you don't want to. And I'll say to her, you know, it's okay for me to do things that I don't want to do. In fact, that's healthy, right? We have a hard time with, we have a hard time doing agape and we have a hard time sometimes receiving agape. But agape is powerful love and it changes culture. You hear what I'm saying? Now, Jesus in this passage, as we've been reading through it, you might have picked up other action words, and these are in the whole passage. I'm not gonna go back and read all of the scriptures, but you, you could mark these in your Bible if you take notes. He said, do something wonderful for your enemies. He said, bless them. What is blessing? It's the opposite of cursing. It's speaking good over them, okay? It, it's saying to my neighbor behind me, I want you to prosper. I want you to do well. I want you to be healthy instead of wishing death on him. I've never wished death, but just blessing. Jesus said, pray for them, serve them, minister to them. Give them more than they demand and don't seek recompense, meaning don't try to get your stuff back. Just let it go. And Jesus didn't just teach this. He modeled this. One of the mysteries to me of the life of Jesus is this one disciple named Judas. Do you know Jesus did all these things for Judas for three years as he walked along, all the while knowing that Jesus was going to betray him in the end? There was, never a, there was never an enemy more sinister than Judas. But Jesus loved him. Jesus did wonderful things for him. Jesus blessed him. Jesus prayed for him. Jesus served him. Jesus washed Judas's feet. Come on. Self-surrender is expressed in agape love. And then this is the last thing that we'll talk about. Self-surrender is modeled after our Father's love. This is the best part of this, of this paragraph. You ready for this? Jesus said, be like your Father. Oh, guys, look at this. Be like your Father who is famous for his kindness to heal even the thankless and cruel. Can you just let that sink in? Your father is famous for healing even the thankless and cruel. 
My job is to overflow with mercy and compassion for others, just as my heavenly Father overflows with mercy and compassion for all. God's love is my model. So would you join me in choosing self-surrender instead of self-protection? And you know what we're going to have to practice? You know what it means? It means giving up my rights. I have to give up my right to be right. That one's hard. Last night, Chris and I got in an argument in the car because I thought I knew when Nikki was coming home tomorrow night and I was wrong. We drove in silence for a while because I didn't want to give up my right to be right. <laughs> Surrender means I care more for other people than I care for myself. Surrender means that I want people to be blessed in the same way that God wants people to be blessed. He's famous for his kindness to heal even the thankless and the cruel. For whatever reason this morning, I'm just in this um, old Christian songs mode. I'm not going to insult you olders this time. Do you know this one? All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him His presence day pretty good. How many of you have never heard this before? You all know it? I'm gobsmacked. <laughs> I <laughs> Not this morning. I will another time. Do this with me. Will you just put your things aside? Will you do the surrender posture again? Will you, will you do that with me? I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Let's sing the verse one more time. Come on, let's do this. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever 
I surrender. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. I Jesus, this morning we are choosing to surrender ourselves to you. And if we're honest, it's easier to surrender to you than it is to surrender to people who hate us. But Lord, I want to ask you today to empower us with the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that emanated from you to heal the the sick and the hurting and the demon-possessed. Jesus, will you empower us with that same spirit this morning as we surrender to you, empower us so that we can surrender to other people, even the people who hate us. Because Jesus, it's this power that's gonna change the world. And as long as we're protecting our rights and protecting ourselves and protecting our stuff and insisting that we get what's coming to us, Jesus, it's all going to be about us and we're never going to change the world for Jesus. So we need you to turn our hearts. Turn our hearts, Jesus. Do you know this one? Turn my heart, O Lord, like rivers of water. Turn my heart, oh 
your hand, by your hand, till my whole life, till my whole life flows in the river, in the river of your spirit. And my My life brings honor and my 